I expect that some of you, but probably not all of you, have heard of a man called Nassim Nicholas Taleb. He uh, came out of an investment background, has written some books about probability and events that we're not expecting, and he's, he's recently uh, published another one of his, his books called Anti-Fragile. He's opinionated, clever, sometimes annoying. He's a fascinating polymath, uh, and, and these books can be fun to read, even if the key ideas are fairly simple. But what he's talking about in this book is, is institutions and governments and uh, systems and organizations and what makes them fragile uh, to unexpected events or what makes them what he calls anti-fragile. And in just one of hundreds of examples, he talks about two brothers who came to London from Cyprus and uh, John has a job with a company and with benefits and uh, stability and so on. And his brother George drives a taxi. And he, he argues that the taxi driving profession is much more res resilient, much more anti-fragile than John's job because John can lose his job and the taxi driver, his brother George, has, has already practiced volatility. George is always complaining that John has more job security, but in fact they tend to wind up making about the same each year as each other. And he says, what makes one profession, organization, uh, government, system, or whatever, anti-fragile as opposed to fragile? Better able to deal with volatility. And he suggests that driving a cab is probably intrinsically more uh, anti-fragile than having a stable uh, job that we expect to go on forever and ever. He doesn't deal much with what makes us individually anti-fragile. And I think psychology would use the term resilient. What makes any of us individually resilient and able to adapt to the changes and chances of this life? What makes us adaptable in the face of challenge? Well, I thought about, I was thinking about this for me, and in the middle of the dowdy 1970s in England, 1975 to be precise, it became apparent to me that I was going to be enrolled in the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill the following August. What a great adventure this was, a great escape in some ways. I had no idea where North Carolina was on a map. I uh, started looking in the north for North Carolina, which seemed logical to me. Um, and I, I, along with the others who, who were coming from England to UNC that year, had been told we were chosen in part because we were so adaptable. Well, I thought I could adapt well to new situations. Uh, at least I thought so. Um, and after a semester or two of this adventure, which I think I probably treated a bit like a, a holiday, I started thinking I'm ready to go back now and get on with my real life. And then I realized, whoops, this is my real life. Uh, I had... I had chosen it, and I better decide what I'm going to do. But I didn't feel in the least adaptable. In fact, I found I was quite rigid about what I thought was right and good and proper. And much about America for me in those days, long ago, let me stress, long ago, uh, much of what I found about America was not right and proper. For, for Downton Abbey fans, and I apologize to those of you who are not hooked by this Dallas in period costume, um, I would have been much more like Maggie Smith, the Dowager Countess and Grantham, than I would have been with Shirley MacLaine, the American Martha Levinson. Today, less so. That's less true. It took me a little while to embrace both my 
own choices and learn to adapt, but also decide to adapt, decide to get with the program. Some of my friends simply endured their time there until they could get back to, to England. But it, the cultural dislocation was not a problem only for English people. I had one friend who was from the Northeast who after one semester left and went uh, to Harvard where his father and grandfather had been. He just couldn't take it, didn't enjoy it. Why is it that some of us get rigid in the face of adversity and challenge and, and, and others find the flexibility to adapt? Why is it that some survive or even thrive in the face of major shifts when the rug gets pulled out from under us and others do not, they collapse? What I know is it doesn't have much to do with either belief or feelings. I believed I was adaptable and then I felt as though I wasn't and neither belief nor feeling had actually very much to do in the end with actually getting on the business of adapting to new circumstances. The crucial difference was something else. What was it for me? What, what is it for any of us that helps us be uh, more like a tree that bends and less like one that is uprooted? And the factor that makes the difference for any of us is something to do with identity. Something about knowing who we are and then it's also something to do with character and knowing what is really and truly important in life and allowing that to shape our actions and decisions. Identity is something we are given. And character is something we develop along life's way, often with many, many mistakes. In the church, we call that sin. And we need forgiveness. And we learn from it. And we go on. Now, one place I've been aware recent months of the importance of finding ways to make sure we're not fragile in Taleb's terms is in the face of financial anxiety. We live in anxious days. It's just, it's just a reality. And much of our anxiety is focused around money. We can and should debate, certainly, the role of governmental debt in relation to stimulus uh, and the like in our economy. And my hope and preference is that we will continue to do that, asking first how our policies affect the most vulnerable among us, the poor and the widows and the orphans of our day. But we know, leaving governments aside, that debt for us makes us fragile. It's why one translation of the Lord's Prayer is, forgive us our debts. There's something about that that just undermines us when unforeseeable events come along. Debt makes us weak in the event that something happens to change our expectations like illness or like the loss of the source of our income or like some recession coming out of the blue as we've experienced in recent years. It's, there are going to be events in the future. The Taleb calls them black swans, most unlikely, unpredictable events, but they're coming. How can we be less likely to be broken, less fragile, when something brings about radical change in our lives and expectations? How can we remember who we are and live out of what we know is really important in our lives? Last foray into Downton Abbey for you fans. Faced with the loss of Downton, the Dowager and Lady Mary decide to fight. They are strong. They are going to keep this house somehow. They're going to get some money somewhere, probably from the American, not to be. While Cora, the current Lady Grantham, who is herself of American heritage and descent, she looks to the future. She says we're going to be all right. She just says it doesn't matter so much where we live. We'll be together. Things will work out. Now, now 
Two of these women are really strong, and Cora appears to be more flexible, but who is less fragile? Who is less likely to be broken by the loss of this house? Last week I was teaching our 10th graders, uh, did it again this morning actually, but last week I was teaching them, and some of them are preparing to take on the promises of baptism for themselves. And, and my subject was the Old Testament. And we talked about the Ten Commandments and how the Ten Commandments are really about identity. They gave this disparate underclass of slaves who were almost non-human an identity in the wilderness. The Ten Commandments are not first and foremost, we said, about rules and regulations and shalts and shalt nots. They are important. They're not the Ten Suggestions, but they are nonetheless more about identity than about keeping on the rails. They're saying, we are the kind of people who honor our father and mother. We are the kind of people who don't covet. We're the kind of people who love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind. That's who we are, and that's sometimes distinctive from the other peoples that we run into. But we know that the Ten Commandments are more about identity than about rules. For those first Hebrews, knowing who they are has made the people who were to become the Jews adaptable to the most dreadful, imaginable situations in history, century after century. It's knowing who they are and living toward what is really important that made it so. The prophets kept reminding them what was important, calling them to live uh, gracefully as the people who are beloved of God. What we are given at our baptisms... And what we're conferring on these children who will soon be presented for baptism today is the most fundamental identity. It's hard to imagine for some of you, but it's even more fundamental than being Southern. It's, it's really basic. And the prophet said to a people in exile who attempted to despair, Now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. These are words for life. When you pass through the waters, you might get cleansed, but you're more likely to get drowned and disrupted. You might get washed away by the raging torrents. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. This word of grace saying you are created by love for love, and that's who you are. You are a beloved child of God. The world will tell you lots of different things matter, but what you know is you are beloved of God. And do not forget it. Even Jesus, at his own baptism, heard that message of identity. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Character is what develops as we respond to the changes and chances of this life over time. We call that practicing the faith. We call that living into the covenant of our baptisms every day, dying to all that is deathly, being raised to new life, newness of life every morning. And so today we mark a gift that was conferred upon these children and every one of us when we were born, the gift of being a beloved human child of God, of infinite worth, infinitely precious, because we are made by love for love. That's who we are. And we develop character when we live out of that reality. We're promising to support these children as we support each other in remembering our fundamental identity so that we can live free our whole lives long, becoming men and women of character 
a leaven and a sign in a world that cries out for people of character.